What's going on, Hardliners? Welcome to His Hardline for another episode of 1% with Him. Remember, every day we need to spend at least minimum 15 minutes with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Dig a little bit in the Bible and spend a little time in prayer, you know what I mean? If you can't do that, just join us here at His Heartline. We'll get it done. Drop. And don't forget to check out our website, www.hisheartline.com. We're happy to have you. Let's get started. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, wherever you're at in the world. It is Sunday, September 4th, 2022, here in West Michigan, where I'm located. So happy to have you. Happy Labor Day weekend continued. And uh, I'm sure a lot of you have a long three-day weekend with tomorrow off as well. And uh, not me, though. I'll be, uh, I'll be out there on those highways hauling that gas so people can go to and from home so welcome glad to have you here i am jason your co-host welcome to one percent another episode of one percent with him here at his hard line um something i thought was pretty interesting when i was scrolling through telegram earlier today i saw according to reuters now there's been a lot of uh a lot of news coming out of the uh, vatican area here and a Apparently, the Pope dissolved the Knights of Malta leadership, and apparently it issues a new constitution. So this little article here, it says, Vatican City, September 3, according to Reuters, Pope Francis on Saturday dissolved the leadership of the Knights of Malta, the global Catholic religious order and humanitarian group, and installed a provisional government ahead of the election of the new Grand Master. The change, which the Pope issued in a decree, came after five years of often acrimonious debate within the order and between some top members of the Old Guard and the Vatican over a new constitution that some feared would weaken its sovereignty. It's kind of interesting. And then, like I was saying just uh, not too long ago, if I can find it here, uh, let's see if I can find it. Because then, not too long ago, then it was uh, the Vatican. You know, the Pope ordered that all all Catholic uh, Pope Francis had ordered. Um, I'm just going off memory now, but uh, Pope Francis ordered all central administration of the Roman Catholic Church and related entities to withdraw all their financial assets from external banks and transfer them to the Vatican Bank by the end of September. That's very interesting. I find that very, very interesting. So, yeah, there's a lot going on. I mean, it really is. Uh, it is very kind of uh, peculiar, you know, to say the least. But uh, and then I guess there was. Uh, let's see, what else was there? And then I saw. Let's see here. What was it? Somebody forwarded this 
It was from uh, DSMP Nexus on Telegram with relating, you know, relating to what Pope Francis did with the uh, Order of Malta. And they wrote uh, major development, you know, Pope Francis guts and neuters the Order of Malta, not so sovereign anymore. We peasants <laughs> have no idea of the influence this Order of Nobility has had on the world. My theory was that they were largely behind the COVID pandemic, and it's very well possible. Democratization of the order is among the main changes for the institution, with the new constitution eliminating the rule for the Grand Master and the top knights requiring a noble background. Ha, huh, that is huge. That is very huge. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's happening, and, and I think it's only going to continuously to get more and more. Uh, it's only going to continue to elevate as time progresses forward. So yeah, I thought that was very interesting. So let's kind of keep an eye on that, because what people don't realize is that. And again, I know this is the one percent with him show where we read the Bible and I'm going to get to that. But what people don't understand or comprehend, I should say, is there are three city states that run the world. There's Vatican City. There's London. And then you have Washington, D.C. And so, you know, you got to pay attention to these kind of things when they come about. I mean, it's very interesting. So, I, again, I'm not sure where all this will lead, but are, they are developments that we need to be keeping an eye on. And then, like, you know, it's just there's a lot of a lot of peculiar stuff going on. But anyway, I digress. So so today we're going to be reading out of the book of Psalm, chapter 15 and chapter 16, both very short chapters out of the New American Standard Bible. And so um, just trying to think, uh, I was going to tell you something. Oh, that's what I was going to say, too. So like I said, this coming week, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and probably Friday. I'm not sure. It depends when, uh, you know, if I'm feeling up to it on Friday or not. But definitely Wednesday and Thursday. And, and we'll just say Friday for good measure. I may surprise you guys. I don't know yet. But uh, like I said, those are going to be, you know, dead air days. You're not going to hear me. I'm not going to be by the studio. Yes, I could very well take my computer with me wherever I go. I could take it in the semi. I could take it, you know, I could take it on a trip. But, you know, sometimes, you know, when you have to, you know, when you want to focus on family, just keep keep that kind of stuff behind. So so uh, I won't be doing any uh, Brandenburg block hour, nor will I be on her show on Friday. So I sent her a text just to remind her so she wasn't blindsided in the middle of the week. She was all, thank you so much for the you know, for the, uh, for the reminder. And she actually gave me a little crap. She's like, what are you doing going on vacation, Mr. Vacation? Like we got a country to save. <laughs> I'm like, I know, but you know, sometimes saving the country, uh, gets a little tiring. So sometimes you just need to get away and unplug for a minute, you know, <laughs> but Hey, I, it's not just me. There's a lot of people out there that are working behind the scenes. You got to realize that. So, all right, let's get into it. So verse one, this is only five verses in chapter 15. It reads, Lord, who may reside in your tent? Who may settle on your holy hill? One who walks with integrity, practices righteousness, and speaks truth in his heart. He does not slander with his tongue, nor do evil to his neighbor, nor bring shame on his friend. A despicable person is despised in his eyes, but he honors those who fear the Lord. He takes an oath to his own detriment and does not change. He does not lend his money at interest, nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. 
one who does these things will never be shaken. And that is the full reading for chapter 15. So what does chapter 15 ultimately mean? So this psalm begins with a deceptively simple question, who is worthy to be in the presence of God? And the term sojourn does not necessarily mean travel or a temporary condition, but rather it means to live somewhere as a stranger or a foreigner. And David implicitly realizes that no human being is perfect. And, you know, in Romans, uh, excuse me, and, and uh, you know, no, no human being is perfect, and any imperfect person in God's presence is somewhat out of place. And so what follows are characteristics of a truly righteous person. And these are the explanations of what righteousness looks like, not an explanation of how one can prove their righteousness to the Lord. And so the term blameless is a reference to reputation. It does not mean sinless, but it implies that someone whose life offers no room for criticism from others. Now, one way to monitor this is by honesty. And so the heart, as mentioned in ancient writings, includes many aspects of modern language ascribes uh, to the mind. And a righteous person is not only truthful about others and about themselves, but they think honestly about others and themselves. So telling lies and speaking unkindly of others or harming a neighbor are all incompatible with a righteous lifestyle. In addition, the godly person weighs, weighs um, out if other people's lifestyles are God-honoring and esteems their actions accordingly. So in honesty and respectful love for others, the righteous person keeps their word, even when it's to their own disadvantage. Now, under the Old Testament law, Israelites were forbidden from charging interest when lending money to poor countrymen. And the term used in ancient Hebrew most closely resembles the English term usury, which means to charge excessive interest. That's kind of interesting because that's pretty much what we're kind of seeing with our Federal Reserve. They loan out these fake fiat dollars, these Federal Reserve notes, if you will, which is, by the way, unconstitutional money, for those of you that don't know. And they charge an exorbitant amount of interest, which pretty much keeps us as debt slaves to the system. The system is definitely a uh, what you would call a not-so-righteous system to say the least. And yeah, you could bet your bottom fiat dollar that our government is definitely engaged. And when I say our government, I'm talking about the de facto corporate government that's ran by a bunch of foreigners. And they definitely are engaging in a huge level of usury and and taking advantage of the American men and women. And they're trying to make us poor. And so a righteous person does not give financial aid to those in need with the intent of making a profit. Investing for a business purpose is not the same as lending to those who are, you know, poverty stricken. And also those who are righteous refuse to accept bribes. They do not allow their judgment to be clouded with corruption. Something that uh, I think our current Congress and, um, you know, and even judges to a degree I don't think they really know how to not accept bribes. A lot of them, by and large. I mean, that's how they—that's how they get things done. They—they—they they, they pat each other's pockets. They—they—they they, they butter each other up. They, you know, everything's got a price there in D.C. 
but that's not God's way. That's not that's not the way God designed it. So let's go to the next chapter, chapter 16. This has only got 11 verses, and it reads, Protect me, God, for I take refuge in you. I said to the Lord, You are my Lord. I have nothing good beside you. As for the saints who are on the earth, they are the majestic ones. All my delight is in them. The pains of those who have acquired another God will be multiplied. I will not pour out their drink offerings of blood, nor will I take their names upon my lips. The Lord is the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You support my lot. The measuring lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, my inheritance is beautiful to me. I will bless the Lord who has advised me. Indeed, my mind instructs me in the night. I have set the Lord continually before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will dwell securely. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol. You will not allow your Holy One to undergo undergo decay. You will make known to me the way of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forever. And so what does chapter 16 mean? Well, David draws out a strong contrast between those who honor God versus those who dishonor him. And so the ones that acknowledge their need for the Lord, as David does, sees God as their security, and rightfully so. And so he is the ultimate source of good in their lives. And this leads those who who love God to love God's people. Now, godly people also resist associating themselves with idolatry and evil. Those who reject the one true God can expect an increasing pile of arrows. Now, in the Old Testament... As far as context goes, a portion was symbolic of what people today may call fate or destiny, except uh, it was not considered as random or impersonal as those modern words might suggest. So all things were seen as subject to God's will, and that which a person experienced in life was the portion, if you will, assigned by God. And Israel's tribes were each destined to inherit a certain part of the promised land, and other than the Levites, whose portion was their priesthood under God. These inheritance were each a portion of Canaan. So David celebrates that God's grace has resulted in his relationship for the, with the Lord. And this, along with God's influence over David's conscience, gives him confidence. And even in the face of death, David is still willing to trust God and celebrate his goodness. And as much as David trusts God to see him through earthly dangers, he knows his ultimate security is in eternity. And so David rejects the idea that he will be abandoned in death or merely allowed to rot away. This statement is referenced several times in the New Testament as evangelists refer to the resurrection of Jesus Christ and looking forward to eternity adds to the believer's courage and confidence in all things. Amen. You know, I'll tell you what. I would be a liar if I said I didn't allow anxiety to still riddle me every once in a while. It does. It, it, it does. And I'm still working on them. Still working it really fully, 100% without taking it back. I'm still working on still handing that over completely to God. Still haven't been able to completely do that. Don't know why. Couldn't tell you. 
what the reasoning is for me taking it back. It's not like I'm willing to take it back, but somehow I do. And every once in a while, anxiety will riddle my, you know, you know, internally. And, but one thing I will say is when it comes to the earthly dangers of the world, death, you know, persecution, whatever, I really don't care. I mean, no matter which way this assembly stuff goes, right, or if the New World Order takes over, or whatever, whatever they, whoever they are, decide to want to do with me, you know, I really don't care. Because at the end of the day, one thing is for sure, because I've done my absolute best to live as righteous as I possibly can, at least within my own understanding, I think. I know that when all is said and done and I die, yeah, I'm not going to just be a rotting corpse. I am going to have security and eternity in heaven as well as you as well. And so I don't really fear death, if you will, but it's just one of those things, you know, you just, you know, no matter what dangers lurk around us and there's always dangers so you're not going to get away from it. You have to trust and celebrate in God's goodness. And, you know, you got to be willing to trust God. That's why I always say, which I didn't even say today at this show because I got myself thrown off. But that's why I say at the beginning of every show, you know, God is the host. God and Jesus Christ. They're the host of the show. They are at the wheel and they are at the helm. The helm of a ship. A personal vessel. Your personal vessel. And each of us in our own personal vessel is weathering a storm. We're going up and down these big giant squalls and these swells. It's rough. It's dangerous. It's making us sick because we're getting thrown about all over the place. But like I said, you put your trust in the Lord and God. He's going to help you steer your personal vessel into a safe harbor so that you can go anchor and get on dry land. It's very important. And so, yeah, we do got to look forward to eternity as believers. And we have to press forward with that courage and confidence in all things, because if we don't have that. What else do you really have? So, but anyway, that's pretty much all I got. I'm going to come back here on the other side, going to do a, a reading out of the uh, 2000-25 field training manual um, in the EDU spot. I know I've been saying I've been trying to want to do this twice a week. I'm just going to be completely transparent. It's probably going to be like an every Sunday thing. So, But we are almost done with it. And so, and I'm going to leave it up on the hisheartline.com website. If you go to uh, the, um, I think it's called National Assembly link. And then there's a couple sub links underneath that. There's one that says avoid the AVR train or avoid AVR. And then the other one is the EDU spot. The EDU spot will have all the parts of the reading of the 2000-25. I think when it's probably going to be all said and done, it may be a total of like 15, 16 or 17 different parts possibly. I know we are getting almost done because it's about 155 pages long. And I want to say we're in like page 109 is what we're going to be starting with today. So, but anyway, so we are going to finish off with a prayer. So, Heavenly Father, 
as usual, we come here together to, you know, glorify you and to praise your good word and to learn something new. Thank you for this day. Thank you for another day of life and good health, not just for ourselves, but for our family, our daughters, our sons, our spouses, our mothers, fathers, and everyone that, you know, everyone in between. We thank you for our homes and we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, and for the uh, miraculous sacrificing, self-sacrificing that he knew he had to, you know, he knew he had to uh, play out because he knew that that was the only way that we would be forgiven in a fallen world. He knew that was the ultimate price that needed to be paid for all of us. And so we thank you for that. And um, we often want to just, just also come to you and just, you know, ask for your forgiveness for all of the atrocities that we allowed in this nation and for our own personal sins as well. We cannot move forward as a, as a great nation without, without you at the center. And so we are working diligently and daily to get you back at the center of all things in this nation, all things in our marriages and our families, the foundations of this country. And, uh, well, we will, we will, I think we will be prosperous again with, you know, so long as it falls within your will. And so we pray all this in your Holy Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. And so that, my friends, is all I have for you today. Like I said, come join us here on the other side. We're going to be doing an EDU spot reading of the 2000-25 War Manual uh, or Training Manual that was put out by the training uh, by the War Department back in 1928. So we're going to continue on with that. And uh, yeah, thanks for joining us. And uh, we'll see you on the other side. Have a blessed day or night wherever you're at in the world, ladies and gentlemen.